0: jake i like video games well hey tony
1: i like video games too
0: welcome everybody to a brand new spoilery episode of hey i like that game yes we are
1: giving you a special inter-episode episode about the game inscription that uh tony played recommended to me and uh i played and it's just been burrowed so deep under our skins that we had to talk about it on the podcast
0: yeah, you had to. And like this is a, a sweet enough game that uh, we, we had to break it out into its own episode. This was my favorite game of last year. And really, like I no, no hyperbole here. This is one of my favorite games I've ever played. Like this is on like my top ten list of like I think this game is genius in a lot of ways. And I don't think I've recommended a game more to people than this one. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, and speaking of fantastic. We have two fantastic guests with us today. Uh, Two of my really good buddies here. We've got Eric. Say hello, buddy.
2: Blushing in the intro. Thank you very much. Hi, everybody.
0: we got Eric, who you may remember from the uh, Ocarina of Time episode uh, way back when. That was a couple of years ago now. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Fun fun time. Fun episode there. Uh, And then we have, uh, you know longtime friend of the show but first time guest of the show Matt what's up buddy hey guys thanks for having me long time first time yeah yeah it's uh <laughs> I'm I'm glad that we all decided to jump on to talk about this game because it's it's a it's a real treat uh so again spoiler spoiler spoilers we're gonna talk about everything in this game mm-hmm. um part of the fun with inscription is there is a lot hidden under the surface. Um, and there's a lot in here, a lot to discover, and part of the real fun is the, uh, the reaction you get from some of the big things that happen within it. So if you're interested at all in playing Inscription, go play that game, and then come back and listen to this. Um, so fair warning on the spoilers, folks. Mm-hmm. Spoiler
1: spoilers. It's very good. You should play it. And, and you play, play this it g- without Tony- listening to this, unless you're an advertiser, in which case, please keep
2: listening. <laughs> when this game was suggested to me when i met up with you guys tony had you played it yet or was it just matt who had played it
0: no i had played it so um i found out about this game through um the Nextlander podcast the um those guys had talked about this game quite a bit and i was like ah this sounds pretty neat i looked it up online i was like oh this this does look kind of neat. It's a, uh, for those who don't know, this is a roguelite card game. Uh, kind of like, I guess like the nearest comparison would be like, maybe like a Splay the Spire-y kind of game, but the mechanics are more like magic, but maybe a little bit, I don't know, or maybe, maybe Yu-Gi-Oh! Maybe it's closer to Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, than it is magic. But anyways, um, I had heard about it there, and I saw, it was like, it was on sale for like a brief stint, and I was like, I gotta jump into it. Um, and then I, I proceeded to beat the entire game within two days. Like, I didn't turn it off. I just, I mm-hmm. just kept playing it uh, incessantly for, for two days straight. Um, and then, Matt, I, I remember you said you had a similar um, uh, experience with the game.
3: Yeah, I, I first saw it on a, on a subreddit. And the thing that caught my eye was the description was I got this game and I deleted all of my save data in it because I thought I was supposed to. And that, <laughs> the, the mere concept of that really hooked me. Um, and that's, yeah. that sums the game up well, I think. I, it's a card game with, like, the room mashed into it. Yeah. Well, there's so yeah. many
2: compelling elements to it. It's not just the gameplay or the art style that comes with it. It's, you. the further you get into it, the further you question, like, I don't even know if this is a game, or, <laughs> that's, that's really what it was, because it changed up a few different times to where... I was unsure if I was still playing the same thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, and then Jake, you, so like we, me and Matt hard sold Eric on, uh, playing this game. Uh, Jake, you came to it after our game of the year podcast, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. I had seen this game on, um, like some YouTubers I followed their game of the year list and it kind of just like went over my head. Um, Like, I saw it, I saw, like, oh, card game, cool. And then, like, everything else about it just kind of slid right off of me. And then just how much you insisted I play this and, like, how good of a (laughs) game it was and how little you would tell me on top of that. Um, And then when you compared it to Outer Wilds, like, that really sold me, too. So uh, then I picked it up and, like, yeah, like, you guys, I played it over the course of two days, just staying up way too late to get more time into this. Um, And, like when I was finishing Act 3, super late at night, uh, playing this game, I did unplug my webcam because I'm like, if this game does what I think it might do, it's going to fucking break my brain and I need to not have that happen.
0: That's hilarious.
1: Was that an element, though? Like, I had my laptop closed. I played with
2: a a second monitor, but, like, there's there's camera elements in this game, is it not? Mm
1: -hmm. Mm.
2: Yeah, Yeah. that would be... I I feel like I missed out on a lot of that where I need to, to play... Again, with the camera right on my face.
0: it This game, uh, and like you alluded to, Eric, th- this game has like movements to it. I would say there's like, it, it plays out in three acts, but there's really kind of like four movements to the game. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot in it that makes you think that the game is watching you, that the game knows more about you than you would let on. It's, um... It's really fascinating how a lot of that stuff plays out. But in general, it's a card game. Uh, Kind of the setup for it is you are in this cabin with these basically like floating eyes in front of you and you're playing this card game against this like shadowy, creepy figure. Uh, Within the cabin, you can get up from the table and walk around and there are kind of mysterious puzzles and weird items kind of strewn throughout this cabin that you can interact with. Um, That's where, Matt, your comparison to uh, like the room kind of comes in where it's like it does feel like you're trying to escape this cabin and there's a bunch of cryptic things happening around you um, and you're trying to like puzzle your way through it um playing this card game against this you know weird figure named Leshy that you discover later but um yeah it's uh what do you even It was start the sound honestly
2: the sound that's that's the what that's what got me incredible. into this it it was so unique that it and it was it was almost I don't want to compare it to like an ASMR but it it really drew me in uh everything had a distinct sound a distinct theme and it really put you into the environment a lot more than i thought that it would watching the trailer for the game before i was going to buy by the way the price tag was also a, a big part of the why i bought this too that's always the argument of the price point of a game but a simple price point where it's yeah this was worth it but that trailer yeah. hearing the just the, the the cues the 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 ticks from that that lesser character it was creepy. It, there was a good vibe from mm-hmm. it that I wanted to see more of it. And then to hear it like transform into, well, the different themes Well, I don't want to give it all the way to you, but the techno theme or anything else, you know, different thing that it's adjusting to. I, I liked it. It really kept me, it kept me going and wanted to hear more of it.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, and just, just for folks to know that this game is $20 when it's on full price. So, and it's totally worth that 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Buying on sale is, is excellent too, but I, I mean, there's not a lot of games I would say pay full price for whenever you can, and this is one of them. You know, shell out the twenty. It's it's totally fucking worth it. Um, but yeah, to your point about the sound design, it, it, it There's so many creepy elements to it, and and it, transportative elements of the sound, like um when you're fighting. Was it the fisherman? What's it called? Like the, the um, yeah, the mm-hmm. angler. Like that sound is so creepy when you enter that boss fight it just it it like it makes your skin crawl like it it, like my my palms are like sweaty like thinking about it like it's just like it it gets clammy because it, it like the the whole theme around that one is like he's a fisherman with this giant menacing hook like almost like um uh, I know what you did last summer. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. It like just super eerie and creepy. But like the the sound, like you can almost like smell the fish in the room just from the sound alone. Um, it's fucking or, or wild. The sound of teeth dropping was another
2: one. Oh man, that I never love that never sound. did feel more rewarding when you just hear all the teeth drop.
3: That's right. Yeah, yeah. Metal um, teeth in a little wooden bowl. Who would have thought that would be the. Uh the next ringtone I'm going to put on my phone. I was like, yes, I need, I need more of that. Yes, please.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to, to go a little bit more in, in detail and kind of how the first act plays out, you're playing this card game. There's the puzzles around the room. As you unlock some of those puzzles, you get like extra cards in your starting deck or um, extra little like abilities kind of. Um, like being able to, uh, when you have a chance to pick from one of three cards, you can kind of, reshuffle that and and get new cards instead Um, or you can get uh, different totems and stuff to give the broad categories of your cards buffs Um, but basically the game plays out much like uh, a slay the spire where you have a game board that has various different paths on it little icons denote what kind of event you're going to go into when you choose a different path Um, and you you play this card game against Um, several escalating bosses that all have their kind of own unique mechanic to them that you really need to plan for and learn how to fight against, because sometimes they can be a little frustrating. I'll I'll tell you right now, the first couple times I played against the Miner, the the first boss you fight in in Act 1, I was very frustrated, very frustrated. Um, The Miner, when you kind of uh, take down his life points, For the first time, he converts all your cards on the field to like a piece of gold. So if you kind of uh, shoot your load in that first uh, first set, you're kind of fucked, you know, so you really need to. It teaches you 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 don't always know what's coming. So you should sometimes keep your cards close to the vest and only play what you need to beat the first life because you're going to have to do it again. Every boss kind of has two lives. We have to do. What is it? Six points of damage?
3: Yeah, total. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's six points of damage. Uh, The way that uh, damage is calculated in this game is you have these scales and um, you have to swing the scales in your favor. By doing you know six points of damage over, but let's say if you have two damage done to yourself on the scale, then you'll have to do eight to overcome that and you know, defeat uh, the boss uh, at least for you know one of their lives. Um, Which is like then- a
1: really cool way to play the game to like monitor the like, hit points and like who's winning because the game can be over like super quickly if you get some really powerful attacks at the onset, but like there's also like a really compelling ebb and flow of the points from uh like longer longer standing games and it can reward being really offensive because it's like okay i know i'm going to take four points of damage but if i do three points of damage this turn then that that's not going to kill me like i'm not going to get knocked out this this turn so it's it it becomes really compelling it i think it's like a neat way to um do the game board and have have this card game play out totally into that too uh commenting not
2: on the scale the counter but scaling of the game itself how it started and to where it ending uh, on jake's note right there where you're yeah getting frustrated with these boss fights where you're thinking moves ahead into this where you're having to how often did you guys have to look at your deck and swap cards out or make moves mm. to upgrade your card purposefully
3: yeah, often, time. often, yeah. You really have to go into it with uh, with some intention, um, especially some of those two phase boss fights. Uh, like Tony said, you know, if you if you misplay that first phase, you can beat it, but you can shoot yourself in the foot if you're not careful. So it does require a lot of forethought and uh, purposeful play.
2: Well, I think the difference in this that you get from other games is, I learned through failing. Where other games, mm-hmm. I'm I'm learn I'm learning through. Them, te- you know, holding my hand and, uh, you know, tip cards and checkpoints here and there. This is a, I'm, I'm, not only am I learning through failing, but the game's insulting me when I do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it. Um, that's a really good point that you bring up, Eric. Is that like, um, like the teaching systems of this game feel very organic. You know, there isn't a. This is how you play a card, and this is that. Like there, there is. A little bit of that and like your first couple of uh, run throughs of it um, but it explains itself very well and once you kind of get the systems at play where you have to sacrifice cards to bring in other cards which um, in sacrifices create another resource called bones which can also summon cards like once you start to figure out those really basic systems at least in like act one it you get it and it's like okay now I now I need to learn how to actually play smart here um, yeah and overcome these obstacles something else that uh, the game has is um, there's items so you can carry three items at a time yeah and those items have various effects that are some of them very very powerful like uh, one of my favorites is the scissors which basically it just destroys a card like if your opponent has something on there that's about to kill you, you say nope and just cut that card in half, and now it's gone. You know that is a huge shift in in power on the on the board, yeah. and it's it's such a fun item. You know, um, I liked the hourglass. That was my favorite. Yep, I've- hourglass. Uh, makes the uh, opponent stop like pass their turn yeah Uh, so that another super powerful super powerful tool at your uh, disposal
3: i think there's something Mm -hmm. to be said for the pliers just the basic everyday pliers really sets the tone of what you're getting yourself into in that game
1: yeah and like and the dagger (laughs) and the oh yeah yes
0: yes so let's talk about these two items so Um, mechanically, both of those items are, um, offensive tools. There are ways to directly do hit points or damage to your opponent. Um, because this game works with scales, basically what it does is the pliers is you pull a tooth out of your own fucking mouth and drop it on the scale. Uh, so it's like one way to do like direct damage to your opponent. And
3: the, the visual, the, the visual effect on that is great too. Cause it, Ooh, you know, yeah. Yeah. it makes it feel yeah. like you are pulling a tooth out of your own mouth. Like it did
2: again, that sound job
3: there
0: sound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The sound adds a lot to it, but then also like the, the visual flair on screen, like you see the, um, the careening of the, uh, of the pliers. Like it's really like, you're really pulling that tooth out there. And then there's, you know, a little like kind of red splash or flash on the screen to show, you know, the pain, um, Speaking of pain, the dagger is kind of the pliers to the nth degree where you literally gouge your own eyeball out and drop that shit on the scale. Um, and then the the screen has the visual effect of you're only looking through one eye, you know, you, you have yeah, the screen uh,
1: is blanked out. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's it's really really cool. Um a a, a very uh, effective tool to use but also like what a fucking novel thing to do right and then like like,
1: the cool thing about that is they're super powerful items but i never wanted to use them or pick them up after i found out what they did right (laughs) like that like i know like nothing's happening materially to the game like i'm getting an advantage from it but just like the visceral outcome of it happening on screen makes me not want to use it
0: yeah It's like, I feel, I feel bad for our main character, Luke, you know, it's like, I I don't want, I don't want to do that to him. Um, We can get back to, to Luke Carter later, but um, the dagger uh, was the tipping point for me when I was first playing this game to be like, Oh shit. You know, there is something here that is different than anything else I've seen. So when you use the dagger for the first time, you, you pop your eye out, tilt the scales to your victory. Um, after that battle, you are given uh, a chest to replace your eye. Leshy is, is a, uh, great, uh, <laughs> a great uh, captor and will let you replace your eye so you can kind of get your visual back. Um, when the chest opens, there are, I don't know, maybe like 15, 20 eyeballs in there to choose from. But there's one in particular that stands out. Uh, it has, like, neon colors kind of flashing from it. Like, it's very apparent, like, that one is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you pick it up and put it into your head, uh, all of a sudden you have kind of like a, a little bit of a different UI. It looks like kind of mystical, magical on the uh, right side of your screen. And then the chest close. And it says, uh, was it check the cuckoo clock? or like yeah, the it's like um, find
1: salvation in the clock or something like that.
0: Yeah, and it's like... What the fuck? Like, it, it's very much all of a sudden, like, the hidden ink reveals itself. And it's, like, like that was a moment that, I like, you... It's really hard to replicate uh, because it's such a, like, watershed moment. Like, yeah. holy fuck. The next part what? of the game. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, there's there's more here than you realize. Because what um, we haven't
1: mentioned yet is some of the cards talk to you. Like, are <laughs> autonomous <laughs> yes. creatures.
0: Yes, the was it the stoat? Uh, what is the, the stink bug? And then the, the, the cage. Yeah, yeah. The, the caged wolf or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um So it starts with uh the stoat talking to you Uh when you like draw the card. You know, every card has like a visual representation of what that card is, you know, what what creature it represents. And it starts talking um the text plays out at the top of the screen or at the top of the card where normally the the name is written in there and it will talk to you um it it will say some words of encouragement at times sometimes they'll tell you if you misplayed something it is telling you that leshy is like not to be trusted and uh along with the stink bug like saying like we need to overthrow this guy and it's like wait what the like, what the fuck is happening? There's right some
3: now? other bits there, too, where, like, the stink bug will be like, we've gone through this before. Just, like, trust what we're doing. And it's like, what do you what do you mean you've gone through this before? What could that possibly mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? It, it's just, it's another one of those things, like, this game knows something that I don't. Well, the, and I so desperately want to find out. Because you find these cards, too,
2: through the puzzles in this world, mm-hmm. right? Like, there was, there was one you unlocked through whatever puzzle chest, is that what it was? Or
0: Yeah, the the cage wolf, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, and then through the cuckoo clock. So yeah, as the story progresses you get to unlock more and, and more and that's yeah, another reason why I want more and more to play is I want to know what's what's happening. The story element of this game. It's already fun. It's already I'm having a good time already doing this this card element, this roguelite, but now I have this other part. Now I have this room I get to explore and this story, which I have a lot of questions. What's going on here? I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what room I'm in now, and I don't know who these people are. These
0: things—I can't even call them that. It's—it's—it's yeah. it's, it's a lot. It like the the story elements and like the the kind of the elements are very mysterious. Um, is the thread that keeps keeps you there. You know, like I, the right. card game itself is very very fun. I have a great time with it, but it goes hand in hand with all these mysterious elements and drives you to keep playing. Um, One thing I will say about act one um, is that you need to die. Like you need to fail and you need to fail semi often Mm -hmm. to make it to the end game. I, I, I feel like it's not like, a Hades, or even a Slay the Spire um, at certain levels of difficulty where you can win any situation. I I, I feel like you don't. Um, In this game, you have to kind of bide your time to get the right set of cards, the right upgrades to be able to, you know, destroy the moon or whatever, whatever that final uh, boss is. Oh, uh, yeah, what a cool final um,
1: boss for that act. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it's very tough. It's very tough. So you need to... "Quote unquote, break the game you need to break the card game through experimentation upgrades and uh the other unique mechanic that we haven't talked about at all the death card um that when you do fail a run uh you know leshy's hands comes out and like reaches out to grab you which is very uh, shocking the first time it happens and really yeah, creepy super creepy. um but then he basically says like hey you're not really dead you have another chance at this you know, I, I don't remember the exact words there but he takes a picture of you to create your death card which you get to pick elements from the cards that were in your your deck when you lost and you get to pick the cost of the card the health uh and def- the the health and uh, attack of the card and then also like the sigils the the um the uh like kind of unique Ability. mechanics yeah the abilities that's where i was looking for the abilities of it like like double strike like um you know um <clears throat> death touch or you know various other stuff There, there's a lot of those sigils in this game a ton of them which is yeah. makes for makes for there's a very fun time so many unique card effects in this game so much like so much in
1: act one and it just gets more complex on top of it
0: yeah, yeah, it, it uh it really ratches it up <laughs> when we uh, get to the other acts. Uh but but staying staying in act one still for a second, uh the the thing that I found that really started to to break the game and, and got me to the point where I felt like, Oh yeah, I can clear act one is is finishing the, the puzzle chest and getting the squirrel head I was out of say, that. Yeah. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. The um there is a you know kind of shopkeeper NPC that you can meet along your your trail in Act One, the wood carver, and you need the head of the statue and the body of the statue. And when those two things combined, you'll get a buff to anything that fits um, that like genre of card. So you could have you know like a bug, all your bugs will get double strike, or all the birds will get. Um, whatever they call it, like stasis or whatever, the one where you get like stronger after a turn. Um, Mm -hmm. But the thing that breaks it is when you get the squirrel head, which um, a squirrel is an infinite resource that you can always draw one of at the beginning of your turn. Um, You get the squirrel head paired with search your deck for whatever cards you want. That's what breaks it. You know, like at least for me, um, that's what got me to my first win uh, because I could instantly search my deck for the death card that I created that was no cost dual strike with three attack. So if I can I can get that out on turn one, do exactly six damage, he will not have any blockers out there, most likely. Um, so I can just win. One turn, done. You know, uh, <laughs> it was, was excellent.
1: When the squirrel sacrifices were worth like three yeah. instead of one. Oh, and that that's good. That was launch too. out huge, huge monsters. It's huge yeah. dual monsters. This isn't Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, cards or whatever.
0: <laughs> oh, we'll talk about Yu-Gi-Oh again. There, there is a very Yu-Gi-Oh oh, part in this game. <laughs> I, I, there is a very awesome Yu-Gi-Oh part kind of in this game. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but yeah, I I think part of the the real fun of Act 1 is figuring out how to break the game. Uh, Matt, I sent you this screenshot uh, a couple of days ago, but my, my buddy Brad is playing through the game, and he created... This abomination that was, um, he combined two of those yetis together, because you can go to that one oh. shot key. If you, if you have two of the same card, it will combine them together and make them, you know, basically times two what the normal card was. Mm-hmm. Two yetis together plus triple strike. It was 14 triple strike. Like, Jesus. That's, that's fucking insane, right? That's broken. With six damage yeah. wins. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, like doing more damage than um, than you need to is a you should be trying to go for that because you Mm -hmm. get benefit from it. You get more currency to buy better cards or to buy more furs to get better cards. But whatever it is. um, I love that about it, like doing overkill. You should be planning for overkill. And even in situations where you quote unquote break the game, you can very easily win. I found situations where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to do as much damage as possible here because Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to need some strong cards for, you know, those, the final, the final two bosses I really thought were, were tough. The, the trapper boss and then, you know, leshy, the moon boss, uh, very difficult, uh, very difficult for me. So the, the better stuff you have, you know, the better, obviously. Um, you just get a big eight. old
2: death card. Mine was a 4-7 a, a, a triple strike. That was nice. that was my big card, and it was basically just one hit kill every time, clear the board, or whatever. And yeah. it was yeah, probably like a no cost or like a one blood. Uh, but just as I'm getting used to this game and dominating with the deck that I have here, beating this boss is when the game throws a curveball at me. And I unlock all the puzzles, I unlock the cuckoo clock, you know, I get everything in the game too, is is when I get this.
0: Yeah, Act 2. Uh, so one of the things we haven't mentioned, when you start up Inscription, uh, your main menu, you are shown that you can only continue a game. You cannot start a new game. You can only continue, which is odd, right? Um, that plays into the story when you defeat Leshy, Uh, In act one, Uh, basically, you are dumped back into the cabin that you can't get out of. Um, You are kind of stuck in this cabin, but sitting there in the cabin is the icon for a new game. Um, I didn't realize that new game would be legitimately a new game. It is a brand. (laughs) It's a completely different game in art style, in mechanics, in everything. Uh, so you pick up that icon for new game, you ultimately have to like exit out of the game and then you'll go back in and start this new game, which I, I thought that was a great little uh, a turn there. Yeah, when I uh, uh,
3: when I first <laughs> grabbed that new game icon and started, what, I mean, it's you still have control. So you're moving around this very dark room and I got so mm-hmm. freaked out immediately that I paused the game. and I looked up inscription ending and what I saw was not what was on my screen. And so I was like, what have I done? And I went back in and and did exactly that, went to the main menu and and started the new game.
0: Yeah. So the new game is a very big shift. Um, Art style wise, it looks a lot like Pokemon, the card game for the GBA. That's exactly what it becomes. Glorious. (laughs) Yeah, it it becomes a lot like that. There is a big overworld where there are different like uh, bosses you need to take down. I think it's four. Yeah, four different um, characters that you need to take down that kind of are familiar to you from Act One. Um, You start to kind of piece together what's happening there. Um, The Stout, the Stinkbug, the Caged Wolf and um, Leshy. Are individuals within this game that are kind of bosses. So those are like, I forget. What, does anybody remember what uh, what they're called? The, I can't the remember. The four
3: scribes.
0: The yeah. four scribes. So they are the four the four scribes. Each one of them kind of um, like gym leaders in the Pokemon card game. They have different like themes to them, um, and you need to build up a new type of deck, a new type of game, basically to take them down. Moving throughout this little world map uh, and, and taking down, uh, you know, challenges from there. Um, the game shifts in some significant ways. Um, does anybody want to explain like that, like that second card game at all? Yeah. So in, in the first, in the first act,
1: you basically have, like you were saying, it's like say the spire. You have a deck. It's gonna have updates to it. It's gonna have buffs added to it throughout. And then again, transitions more to like a Pokemon trading card game where you have a pool of cards to choose from where you make a deck of 20 cards in it. And as you defeat more, I don't know, trainers, more battles, you get more packs of cards. You add to that pool, you can make a better, more robust deck of 20. So it becomes a lot more consistent, and the preparation is more important than just kind of like okay I got to pick up whatever cards I can get at this at this junction. So it uses the same mechanics, it introduces a few mechanics too that don't like change the fundamentals but add a whole lot new a whole lot more wrinkles to the gameplay itself.
0: Yeah, it it brings in energy and gems. Um I think it brings in both those. Gems for yeah. sure in act 2. Um and I think energy's in there yeah, as well, but it's too. like yep. So yeah. it's like Um, it adds a little bit more flavor in like different types of cards. Cause in act one, you're really working with animals, you know, different beasts. When you get into act two, you start to get like, uh, mages, like different, like, like magical creatures and, and elements. And then energy is like robots. So they have these different things that coincide with different genres of cards that, um, That like, like you said, Jake, like you have to plan your deck around, um, and play through. Um, I really like that it shifts like this. It's such a like blindside out of nowhere, like what the fuck moment in a game that's filled in what the fuck moments. I think this was like one of the biggest ones for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Same.
3: Yeah.
0: Ultimately, I didn't love act two. I didn't like that card game nearly as much. Um, myself I like the art style and I liked like the story things that it did but I didn't love playing that part I tried to like kind of get through that part as fast as possible uh that what were other people's thoughts about act 2
3: about the
0: same
2: well, for me yeah, wait, didn't, it, was, it was a didn't little blackluster didn't this start big with you having to choose a scri- scribe to replace
1: yeah, yeah. it starts is off... It...
3: So, the way I like to think about it with the different cards that they introduce is... In Act 1, you're playing Inscription, but you're only playing it with Leshy's deck. In Act 2, mm-hmm. they introduce the other Scribes' decks, and they have their different mechanics or costs. Um, and yeah, you pick one to replace, and that's the starting deck that you have. I chose Magnificus. I don't know. What did you guys start with?
1: That's what I did, too. I, I just like... I, I like this eyeball.
0: Hmm. I, th- I think I did two actually now that i'm thinking about it it was either that or leshy um,
2: i did leshy yeah
0: it it was fine like it was it was fine you know like uh i think the art style is fun and some of the music is fun but um i didn't enjoy playing that card game i nearly think what as much. really
1: killed me was so i was yet yeah, completely taken off by the by the twist by that like whole gameplay change Yeah, and i think i was just like annoyed cuz it's like I just played what I thought was a whole game, and like mm-hmm. then when I got into this like second part and realized like oh this is like a whole other game. I'm like ah oh, what the fuck I just spent so long learning these new mechanics, and then as I played more and as I like learned what the wizard cards did and what the like technology cards did, and saw like oh this is like Pokemon Train Card Game, which long time listeners will know is one of my favorite games ever. I was like, okay, I can fucking, I can vibe with this for sure. Like, I like whether it's what it's doing, but it just it took me a little bit to adjust there, and that adjustment period, I didn't, I didn't like it. Yeah. Well, didn't we also get some videotape? Yes. We did. Uh, Yes, the first round of ARG videotapes.
0: Yeah. So, uh, in between each act, you get. a series of videos that you can choose to watch or not. You can just breeze past that stuff if you don't want to, but why the fuck would you? Um, And this is where you're introduced to the lucky Carter, AKA Luke Carter, uh, who is you, you are like, you are playing as Luke Carter, who is kind of playing this game, trapped in the game. It's kind of hard to tease about, tease apart that specific thing, but he's a YouTuber that, um, is into card games. He opens packs on stream and like plays and, you know, that kind of stuff. He's, he's one of those type of YouTubers, but um he finds this video game version of inscription, which is like a known quantity in like this universe as like, Oh, it's a one-off card game. That is basically the Leshy card game. Um, or at least that's what it seems like. Um And then it, it spirals out of that. I don't know if I want to get into the the story stuff quite yet with this, but that's this is where you get to see those like fun full motion video uh, things. Really, uh, again, what the fuck is happening well, here? It leaves like, you.
2: It gives you something to work for because it it doesn't it doesn't give you many questions, so it just leaves you wondering to more like what was that yeah i want to i want to know more and then between every act as we get to see more you find out more and that's that's the story which is i think is a pretty creative way to to do this because it's interactive i had to click on each video to find out same yeah
0: yeah there when we get into the arg components of this which i think i want to do like after we get through like the main gameplay stuff uh that's where that stuff really explodes in some big ways. Well, it's Uh, at this point,
1: like the framing device of the game makes itself known because sometimes in act one, you'd get like weird visual glitches where it looked like it looks like I'm playing a camcorder, watching a screen play a game right now. Like sometimes that happens and this kind of confirms that as your approach to the, to the game. So it's cool. Like it it adds a lot of intrigue to, to round two. Oh, uh, I found a bug in the game Ooh!
2: during this stage, actually. It was very frustrating. I was quite pissed because I didn't know if I needed to, if I would have lost since then or if I was stuck or if I needed to completely replay up into that point. But it was in this Pokemon world, if you want to, the Earthbound world that we're playing in, and I had already beat, the first three bosses, I beat, uh, let's see, top right and then the bottom. So Leshy and then the other two. And I was doing the bot. What's his name again? PO3. Something. What's that? PO3? Yeah, PO3. Mm-hmm. And to the left of uh, when you first walk into his building is the shop trade guy where you can buy decks. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. sneak. You can kinda of wiggle your way behind him and then they won't let you out.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, you're, no. You're that just,
2: sucks. You're just stuck there. You you can't get out. Like you've and I've tried many different ways of doing it. It just you're you're just stuck there. So I was able to it's you that does not the save there, so as long as you don't buy anything. So I was able to close out and just basically start from my last save, which was uh however many minutes ago.
0: That's not so bad. So That's it, so it so wasn't
2: a, a, a big loss, but you know, it was a gasp for
1: a moment yeah. there. <laughs> or was it's that developer you... intended?
0: <laughs> you, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's funny that you mentioned earthbound right there, Eric, because like, this is a bit of a tangent, but um, that exact thing happened to me in earthbound when I was maybe 85% of the way through that game, I got to a point where I got stuck and I couldn't get out and dumbass me made a save And I was like, I can get out of this. And I was stuck, and that was my only save. So I just stopped playing Earthbound because I was fucking stuck. And I'm not going to redo that game. Um, Yeah, we've all
2: had that game, right? It it happened with me in Parasite Eve, first time I played it when I was a kid. Yep,
1: yep, yep. Oblivion.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it it, it can happen. Kills the spirit. Uh. It's the spirit of old school video games, which is good. It's a good thing. Uh, it can be frustrating, but I think it's a good thing. Um, so when you finish Act 2, you kind of beat all of the, uh, all your, you know, scribes. I And you see that like the, the talking cards you had from Act 1 are these different
1: scribes.
0: Yes, yes. And one of the things we did not mention uh, in Act 1 was that those cards are changing over time. Like the stout uh, starts to change. Yeah. It starts to change into like a roboty type thing. Staying with the stink bug. It tries, it it starts changing into like a weird looking, like older woman. Um, it, it, it's like you start to see the scribes come out in those cards as you keep playing that. Um, so then you start to make that connection. Oh, that's what those cards are. This is, this is who they are. This is why they were talking to me in the first place was to kind of get to this point. Um, and then and, and please jump in if I'm if I'm doing this wrong, but basically you defeat the, the four scribes and then you are asked, like, who do you want to replace? Right. Like, like who do you want to, like, basically kill or something like that? I think that's how it's like yeah, like the story up. of the
1: second act is that you're fighting to replace one of the scribes.
0: Right. Um, and I chose to replace Leshy at that point. Um, because I think initially it was like, you pick this one. Do you want to pick somebody else? And I was like, fuck Leshy. I was like, fuck Leshy. I don't like that guy. <laughs> like, um, and uh, then it's revealed to you that really, Leshy isn't a bad guy so much. Um, none of them are bad guys except for PO3. PO3 is a fucking uh, maniac. Uh, the robot, PO3, uh, his goal and he becomes the you know, kind of main villain for act three is that he wants to upload inscription to the Internet. <laughs> like he wants to like um, basically there. I guess we can get into the old data at this point. like I, I think this is when you start to hear about the old data a little bit. Yeah. Um, and PO3's thing is that he wants to upload the old data to the Internet and, and seemingly spread it. And the old data is evil. You know, it's, it's not, it's not good. Not, so, not good.
2: Is that part of the story the same, no matter who you pick?
0: Yeah. I believe so.
1: Yeah. It is. Oh. Yeah. Cause I picked, um, the like bones lady mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. same thing happened to me.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, all right then. Yeah. I like, I, I would have loved that choice to be more meaningful, but This game's all about manipulation, like manipulating you as the player. So I think it fits. I think it fits that it it ends up not happening that way. Uh, But then uh, act three starts a little bit like how act two or act one started where you're in this room. This time you're strapped down to the table at first. Uh, You cannot get up. You can kind of look around a little bit, but you cannot get up. And across from you is this kind of floating computer head. Um, and that is PO three. So now you are playing a third variation of the card game that kind of takes all the elements from act one and act two and combines them together where you're playing a game. That's a lot closer to Leshy's version, but leaning more heavily into the energy, um, component that was introduced in act two. Um, I really liked act three a lot. I like the way that that game plays out. Um, it instead of having the kind of map like uh, Slay the Spire, like we do in Act one, Act three is almost like a top down adventure thing. Like it's still a map based and like you move into an area you have, you know, usually four different directions that you can go in and you're trying to like get to these different areas on on the the bigger map. And sometimes you'll uh, encounter Fast travel points, you can kind of jump back and forth between different areas on the map. Um, you find a lot of little secrets and stuff in this area. Um, but it's um, a little bit more freeform than uh, Act 1 is. Uh, and a, a little bit closer to what Act 2 is in terms of like mechanically, where do you go? What do you do next? You know, you kind of choose a little bit more there. Um, what other people think of Act 3 in terms of like the, the card game itself?
2: was a bit of familiar because in the act one you had this top down map element where you're choosing it but in this one it's kind of of the same but it's your choice your path is not as open it's it's more of a instead of actually it's, instead of it being a path you're more of tiles right you're picking yeah. a tile rather than uh, getting to see a a route that you can Choose with power ups, and and you can plan and and strategize that way. Now it's just click an arrow and hope for the best. And sometimes there's a boss. Sometimes there's a power up. Mm-hmm. I did find this level to be the most frustrating. Oh mm-hmm. God, did I find it to be the most frustrating?
0: <laughs> it was hard. It was it's also hard. like the most
1: forgiving because death means the least. I mean, at yeah. least some yeah. yep. act two, but like uh, it's not like terrible if you get get beaten in act three um the most frustrating thing about act three for me was you really drop in power like when you finish your deck for act one it feels super strong and then you have like kind of crafted your deck for act two like that feels like good you feel like you've made something really great and then at the beginning of act three your deck is so so low power that it like I don't know. It feels it feels frustrating, almost like I don't want to be starting this far back, this far into the game. Um, but all in all, like I enjoyed it. I like that when you build up a streak of victories, that they make the fights harder by incorporating special special enemies who are bounty hunters. I think that's a cool a cool wrinkle.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that too. It's like um, it adds another layer to the game, and it like yeah, it's just something new. Like the game is always throwing new stuff at you. Um, which I always appreciate. Um, Always. There's
1: still still new card mechanics that are being introduced this late into the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. At one point, you are able to get up from the table, a la Act 1, and kind of walk around. This is where there's, you know, a couple more, like, puzzles that you can solve, different things that you can do within the world. There are more, you know, uh, tile-based puzzles that you can do, there's like some optional areas you can uh, get into, like if you free that slime thing, you can get into like an optional area. Um, well at least I think it's optional. Um, there's um, a, a blinking chest at one point that plays into the ARG. Um, that I, at first I'm like, what the fuck does this thing do? And then like you you figure out kind of this ARG stuff, and it's like, oh, there's <laughs> Morse code here that <laughs> you need to decrypt. Um, but anyways, um, act three introduces more stuff that really fucks with your mind, uh, a lot. Oh yeah. Uh, this is where, uh, you really see that, oh, this, this game has access to things that, um, makes me uncomfortable. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's definitely one of the more uncomfortable pieces. So, um, I believe there's kind of like three or four like quote unquote bosses for PO three different elements. You're trying to shut PO three down and you have to like go through these different elements to, to do so. And each one of them does something new. Um, I think the most like mind bending one is when it scrapes your uh, steam friends and you fight against people on your friends list, yeah. you know, cards that are introduced to the play field have, your friends' icons on them. Like I know, I fought Eric. I fought you. Uh, I fought our buddy I fought, Mark. I fought Eric too. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh,
1: yeah. Anybody else? Did anybody fight me? I fought you. Yeah. Your card. Your card kind of sucked, though. You are a one yeah. seven.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. Makes <laughs> sense. <laughs>
1: no, I. I
2: did not fight. I fought Matt. I fought Jake. And I fought uh, two other. Uh,
3: friends who, I guess, have the game as well. I did not know that they... You definitely do not have to have the game. When I, when I played it, it was before, uh, yeah, before anybody else had it, and that just grabs people.
0: Yeah. Did you see anybody cool, Matt?
3: No, just randos. Randos that you guys wouldn't know. But, uh, yeah, just the fact that you see that, it's like, oh, right, there's this tertiary thing going on outside of this, this card game that they're slowly starting to pull the curtain back on.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And then, like, I think it was earlier in that fight, it asks you like select the biggest file you have, mm-hmm. and then it opens up your own your own like files. Yeah, browser. Computer, yeah, and, Like yeah. in this own like little like window here, and I was like, oh my god, th- this is the point where I unplugged my my <laughs> webcam because I'm like, oh <laughs> Jesus, it's gonna like do some shit like this, isn't it? <laughs> that was that was a good
2: part where it asked like to select which file was most meaningful to you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, oldest file too, mm-hmm. um, and it's like, shit, is this gonna delete my stuff? Like, like, because they put that, they to. put
1: that on the board. They're like, put a file here, and like, if that card gets killed, I'm going to delete that file. I believed the game. I didn't play that card.
0: <laughs> yep, same, same. You know, it, like, it really reminded me of. Uh, if you guys have played Metal Gear Solid, you know, a combination of both like the Psychomantis fight where it reads your memory card and it's like saying stuff back to you about you, which is creepy. But then also there's a point in Metal Gear Solid where you're being tortured. And if you fail that part, if you fail that torture, it does delete your save game. Like that happens. Yeah. So I like once once I start to put that together and like, this game means fucking business. I didn't fuck around with that. I'm like, I'm not losing my save prior. I'm not losing that file. Like, hell no, not happening.
2: Well, um, the, the other thing is, is that because I, I'm guessing this is for all of us, is that at this point too, I it wasn't like I was 10 minutes into that runtime. I was probably two, three hours into that, run, that runtime already. And so I'm, I'm already a, a level of invested into this game. And then it adds this element where it's going to delete Files off my computer. Mm-hmm. It's I. I'm now more like I feel obligated to play this game more, so I make sure that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I like to keep, you know, these uh, the, you know, the things that it's starting to delete. That'd be great. Yep, it's
0: uh, it's it's incredible. Like the the meta stuff in this part of the game, and just
1: um, as a boss mechanic, it's pretty it's pretty cool too. That's what I really like about. Act three is um, I think the bosses do some neat stuff like the one where you select the custom rules from like mm-hmm. a list of uh, different things. Oh, yeah, like that was a really complex boss that I died to uh, a couple times before I'm like, okay, like these these modifiers will make things like chaotic and a bit more balanced. Um, That was a really cool boss. I think it it keeps building upon itself in such a cool way because this is it's like it took me about ten hours to finish this game. What about you guys? Oh, much longer, than longer that.
3: for I, me. I, I, I was probably closer yeah, to twenty-five.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too
1: look
2: it up. I I probably was around there though. I I want to say eighteen or fifteen.
0: Yeah,
1: because it, uh, it, like, it, it it gives you a lot for for the length of game it is.
0: Yeah, like um, I've heard people say that the game feels too long for what it is, and I, like I kind of disagree. I I, I think. Uh, The game stays around as long as it needs to, you know, like it. um, I never felt like, God, will this game just end? That was never a thought in my mind. I always wanted more. I always wanted more. Um, I was just so eager to see what the fuck was next. And um, I think the last 30 minutes of this game are absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible like so fucking cool and shows like uh we'll get into kind of like the dedication to like the craft in this game a little bit as we get into the arg and some other stuff but like when you kind of defeat po3 and like the last of like the boss fights or whatever basically what happens is po3 makes it like known that he wants to upload this old data to the internet and And the rest of the scribes in the game are like, no, fuck you, dog. Um, We're going to delete the game. And that is happening while you are still playing it. So this leads to like a very cinematic uh, finish to the game where you uh, you play through in the, the version of inscription for all the different scribes like you played Leshy's version. You played the actual version, which was like act two. Then you play PO 3s version, which is act three. And then there are two kind of short versions that um, play to the other two scribes. I can't I can never remember their names, but the uh, the second to last one is the um, the stink bug lady Remora um, Remora, which is like a it, it kind of looks closer to what act one looks like, but it's like a little dungeon you have to move through. Yeah. Um,
1: It's got like, it's like a bone scale.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It, it is very interesting. And it's like, that is such a small piece of the game. Cause while, while you are playing through that part, the game is deleting itself. And like, you'll see kind of at the top, like a deletion bar, literally things are blinking out of existence while you're playing the game. Like they fade into this like really cool, like red flash. And it's just like gone. Um, I thought that was like such an incredible visual representation of you know what's happening behind the scenes in the game. But that's like a whole new game that's introduced in the last little stretch of the game. And you only play it for a short amount of time, but it's like, holy shit, this is commitment to the thing that he's trying to do. Right? Like Daniel Mullins, the, the creator of this game is like very committed to hitting all the details. And I thought that was ingenious. Um, Oh, then the... this, is, this leads to
1: my favorite moment of the game where so you go against Grimora you know have a little bout against her then she gets deleted and then you're back in Leshy's cabin. Leshy's like hey let's play a game and he gives you the deck that you won act one with and then you're mm-hmm. playing along like things are getting deleted and then at one point the scales get deleted and he's like oh no it's okay, we can play without keeping score. And, like, that moment, I just absolutely loved it. Because it's like, yeah, he's facing his demise and he's like, hey, you know what? Act 1 was pretty fun, wasn't it? Like, I like just playing that card game with you. And it really, I don't know, recontextualizes it. And that moment specifically, I just, I really loved.
3: Yeah, it's interesting how they make you almost sympathize for Leshy, who, for the first Mm -hmm. 15 hours of the game, is like this monstrous, you know, this captor that, uh, you know everything about him is grimy and brutal and grisly, and it's like he's forcing you to play this game and then by the end of it it's turned on its head and it's like oh he just he just likes playing the game he just wanted to play the game with yeah. you you know
0: yep yep um and then that leads to like the the final bit which what was the name of that last scribe i, I can never remember um Mag- the furry one Magnificent. <laughs> paintbrush
3: guy magnificus
0: yeah um This was my favorite moment in the game, even though like that card game piece that was all kind of the uh, this is the gem focused one. um, The the least in terms of fleshed out mechanically of the game, because at this point, 80 percent of the game is like deleted and you're kind of playing him in a like empty void, which they kind of show a couple times in the game. Like um, that particular scribe was uh, giving you clues throughout act one at certain junctures where like the game will shift visually. And then you're in this, like you kind of zooming into a painting and you see um, the scribe there and he's like painting something. And it's usually like giving you a clue to like whatever the next puzzle that you need to be doing to, to progress and you're fighting him in this empty void and it's fucking Yu-Gi-Oh! You're like, you put on it is. basically... You have a dual disc. <laughs> you have a fucking dual disc. It's like, it's time to... I think it a dual disc, too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like very much if you have any sort of um, touch base with the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime at all, it's like, fuck yeah! Like, I, I love that. Like I don't even love Yu-Gi-Oh! that much. But, like, that was such a thing that I was not expecting at all. And I was just so delightfully surprised that that's where it went because it did feel epic. Like one of the things that I liked about like the Yu-Gi-Oh anime is that sense of like magnificent scale to a stupid fucking card game. And I don't know if it ever uh, earned what that is I mean it's an anime so they have to make it big and crazy and all that stuff to like hold your attention but like mechanically it never felt like it earned it because it's just like holograms that they would like you know play or whatever in this it feels like it's earned because you've been playing this game this whole time and I mean it means something the world is being destroyed around you so like ah excellent excellent little twist at the end there absolutely I agree
1: lefty. I agree I think that last match was so so good so fucking
2: cool i also was curious because i still didn't know when this game at this point was going to end Like i was questioning yeah it. not that i wanted it to but i just didn't know if i was questioning Like, if this game would end how will i know
0: right well it does it does definitely let you know because it just shuts itself off <laughs> <laughs> like yeah that. it
2: rolls credits and that's you that's well the ultimate right there that's gonna let you know that the game's over but not even in this game there's a point where i'm staying till the end because i want to see maybe i'm spoiled because of marvel now but where anything end credits i just want to see if there's anything extra what did i miss
0: yep um i i absolutely love that it fucking cancels it's, it crashes itself basically and exits you to desktop like it's it's like the feeling I feel like you would get if you're plugged into the Matrix and you just got pulled like you just pulled the plug right out. It's like, wait, what the fuck just happened? You're again like woken up suddenly from a dream that was like so vivid and real and you just like wake up out of it and you're like, wait, what just happened? Like that's how this game ends with that just that simple little trick of just, you know, alt F4ing for you. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that was like so genius. What a what a Cherry on top to just an excellent, excellent game and experience. Um, So fucking cool. So fucking cool.
2: Yeah, it was. uh, It was. You know what? Actually, even before that, there was a moment where it. um, I'm not gonna say scared. I'll say startled. But it was at uh, the act three, where you had to complete all the puzzles in the real world for PO three, and. After the one machine or the node says, uh, you know, click here if you confirm that you are not a robot, and as soon as you do that, it drops. You you fall, and it was just a blank screen there for a moment, and I was just kind of hanging back and just enjoying the show for a little bit, and I didn't know what was, what was happening. I thought something was going to queue up until I actually started to move around. And <laughs> that's when what I did, suddenly those eyes were creeping right at me and that audio cue right again. I had the audio full blast. It just rattled my ears. It was yeah. great. It was yeah. a great effect.
0: Yeah, absolutely great. So,
1: like, absolutely. mechanically, is there anything else you guys want to cover? Because I think we could like, we've like we kind of pretty naturally fallen to, like, the story and, like, the ARG element of it.
0: Yeah. I... How
1: do those
2: gems... Like, I thought there was a... Um, I gave up on the gems.
1: I, I gave I gave up on the circuits.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, gems weren't too bad. It was a little... I felt like at times um, it felt more trouble than it was worth. Um, like the setups that you need to do to get the right gems in place to like do damage, like do the thing. Um, I, I thought it was more trouble than it was oh, worth at Turn times, them all into but, one.
2: I forget it all, sorry to cut you, but turn them all into one. That's that's what I did. You know what? We're doing this is all orange deck, this is all green deck. Like just Yeah. Mm,
0: interesting. Interesting.
2: Um If you want yeah, to mix I, up with a few of the blues to get some extra energy.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did um did anybody have like specific cards in particular that they really liked in at like through any act? I mean, act one is the one that I I remember the most cards from, um, but did anybody have like a specific card or anything that they liked a lot?
1: Through Act Two, I really liked the cards where you would basically spend energy or spend bones to buff a card. Um, mm. I really uh, leaned on those. Like there was one wizard card where it's like spend t- three energy, add plus one plus one, and then there was another where spend two bones to add plus one plus one. I I use those a lot. I really like that. That mechanic of it, where you can buff your own cards when they're on the on the board, and it rewards a good control play. Uh, I, I got ants. a lot
3: lot of love for the uh, the cards in Act One, um, mostly because of Casey's mod. Which I don't know if you want to talk about that now or after the story stuff, but uh,
0: yeah, that's... we can talk about that a little bit. I think it'd actually be a fairly good transition. Yeah. So um, Casey's so...
3: Casey's mod is just Act One on a permanent loop, so you can add some challenges but it is just act one um start to finish it uh tweaks a couple things it takes away the squirrel totem which is the biggest game changer i've found Um, yeah it, it makes you really have to dig into the mechanics of that game and it's it's so damn fun that's where i've spent probably half of my game time is just playing casey's mod and redoing act one over and over again
0: yep um in Act One specifically, I really liked uh, Mantis God. Like anything oh, yeah. that gives me like multiple strike, I, I love that. But I also really like Gek. It's a one one no cost. Yeah. Uh, loved having that in my deck, and I because I would always pick it up because um, for your death card because I, I I died so frequently. It's like okay, if Gek's in my in my hand, I have another chance at getting a no cost death card that I can really make strong. Um, so that I love that card. I also really like the Ouroboros, uh, Ouroboros was sick. If you like kind of put the time and energy, uh, into making it stronger, it's really fucking good. You can get really, really strong with that card. I feel like, um, yeah, I also really like the Raven egg. Um, cause I, I like the Raven. The Raven was a, a fun, fun card for me. Anything with flying that I could just go over blockers and just hit right at the attack points. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh,
2: I had looked up uh, the only thing that I actually had looked up during the game was during Act One, just because I really liked that that card game, and it was even just the alt, one of the alt tab guides where they talked about how to use the ringworm. Oh yeah, and I I took that bit of advice. I was like, this is actually pretty good advice. I'll give it a try, and uh, yeah, it didn't work the first time. That I did it, but the idea was, is that in the campground, right, or the campfire, when it, they allow you to upgrade a card, but if you do it too many times, then the campers will take your card, I guess, as a meal. And if you do it with a ringworm, then they could possibly all be infected with each other at ringworm, and so the next time you do it, it's an empty campfire, and you can just
1: yeah, you off your oh, card, you get a free upgrade. Okay. That's cool. I didn't know that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that either until Matt told me yesterday. I was like, wait, what? Yeah,
3: there's some, what? there's some secret stuff in the mechanics that, I mean, you play Casey's mod enough, you'll you'll start to see him come through. Um, a couple other noteworthy ones. Uh, the cat, if you sacrifice, so the cat has that, you know, like when you sacrifice it, it doesn't leave the board. If you do that nine mm-hmm. times, you will get a dead cat. And it's like a two. <laughs> oh, three.
0: No shit. Yeah. See, I, that's that's awesome. Cat is also yeah. on my list for like cat, uh, cards that I really liked because I love that mechanic. You yeah. just instantly, you can always get every turn at least two sacrifices because you can pick up a squirrel and sacrifice cat. Yeah. Like I yeah. love that. Absolutely must love have, that.
2: must have. Yeah. Uh, my favorite was the ants, the the whatever they were called. Uh, the two two.
0: The ant and the ant queen.
2: Yeah, because uh, every time you would play one another you would get another one in your in your hand
0: and they get stronger too the more ants that are around and, right?
2: so yeah and you just um just kind of feed them through so it was great i, I played it like it would a demon deck
3: maybe in hearthstone
0: mm. gotcha gotcha i like the um, uh the
3: bunny warren too i don't know if you guys had a chance to play with that one too much it's yeah that one's the, good uh, that sigil that yeah. f- Fecundity or fecundity, uh, whatever, yeah. Yeah, however it's pronounced. Um, but you take that and you put it on like a black goat. So every time you sacrifice the black goat, another one goes into your hand. Or you put it on geck mm-hmm. so you have just infinite free Gex. That's there's, yep. there's a lot of game breaking stuff you can do with that one.
0: Yeah, really and solid. We
1: all know the best thing is infinite Gex.
3: Infinite Gex. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Infinite so, Gex 64. Do
2: you, do you think there's, there's a multiplayer aspect to this?
0: I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think, I think so. it's the, the Casey's mod is like, it's still in beta right now. And that's kind of the uh, infinite run uh, roguelite part of it through act one. Um, I'm not sure how much else is going to happen with inscription. Cause I know I've heard that uh, Daniel Mullins has said like, He kind of wants to move on to the next game at this point. All of his games have kind of these meta games built within it, where it's like every game has multiple kind of games within it. Um, That also leads into an ARG that uh, like you can, you can think Inscription is a like excellent game without even looking into any of that stuff. But then when you start to unearth it and see what else is within this game, it it really blows your mind. Or At least it blew it blew my mind away yeah. uh, about um, this stuff. Um, so I think that's a that's a good good time to pivot in into that. Um, so we were talking about KC's mod. The reason that it's called KC's mod is KC is a, a character within this game. Uh, you may or may not be able. You may or not like pick it up at first, uh, but KC is. Uh, the daughter of the woman that you bought the inscription cards from Luke Carter bought the uh, inscription cards from uh, who worked for GameFuna, which is the uh, company that uh, created inscription. And I believe Casey like discovered the old data, like discovered kind of the evil that is within inscription. Yep. And she is killed in a fire Um she is also the very first death card that you get in inscription. You um, I did not pick this up initially, but if you restart that game, the first death card that you can one of them that you can pick up is KC. So she's in the game. like She's there. Her soul is like trapped within this game. Yeah, she's in one of
2: the headstones.
0: Yep. 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 Uh, it kind of it keeps coming up. Um, so. To talk a little bit more about the story, you are Luke Carter, who is this YouTuber playing this game. You find this uh, floppy disk in the woods and you start playing it. Uh, we have talked about the old data that is held within the game. The thing that PO3 is trying to unleash on the world, basically, and the old data, like cannot be deleted. Uh, it is this thing this is this evil presence that is just like within the game being, you know, trapped within the game. Um the old data is related to or is this thing called the Kernoffel Code. Uh the Kerna and like I may be jumping a little bit ahead here, but basically what the Kernofel code is, uh Kernofle is like the oldest known card game. It's like a, a very old European card game. It's like the first of its kind. Um and basically the Kernofel code is um a sequence of those cards that were in Hitler's pocket when he died so it's like, <laughs> like it is like evil transferred into these cards in this specific sequence and that is held within inscription uh what what is evil i guess um got yeah, so where where to even begin here um
1: listen so i love but- this game and the story of this game But like on it's face It sounds like a bad creepy pasta.
0: <laughs> kinda, <laughs> yeah. kinda Kinda I,
1: I bought these cards at an old garage sale And it turns out They led me to this video game Nobody had ever seen before And yeah. then it looked at my webcam And the government <laughs> came to get me Like it just sounds like some shitty threat on reddit But it's so fucking compelling When you're playing it, it.
0: It's, it's how it's told, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's told through these videos that are in between the different acts, the different series, uh, you know, game series that are happening within inscription Focus on this character, Luke Carter, who is like telling you, you know, it kind of, some of it's told out of sequence when he gets the cards, when he finds the actual inscription game, when he writes an email to game FUNA about like, Hey, what the fuck is this? Um, and what game FUNA or maybe quote unquote game FUNA, you're not really sure. Um, what happens uh one thing that we didn't say at all at the the end of inscription you there's a video where uh luke carter gets killed he gets shot and murdered um and it basically the game ends with him like on the ground you see like blood coming out of his body like he's dead um so these videos play out with this you know weird thing happening um what the fuck's happening with Luke? He seems to like almost be going insane. These weird things are happening on his computer in his real life. He's having um, impl- an employee from Game Funa like stalking his house, um, which I absolutely love that first video where he records himself talking to this Gamefuna, empl- quote-unquote Gamefuna employee. Um, one of the little details that I noticed when I rewatched it this morning is this person – is asking Luke all these questions and he's being very cagey about it. And if this person is just a video game company employee, if you look at their stance and how they're standing in the doorway, um, she's putting her foot in a way where if Luke tried to shut the door in her face and try to like run away, she could stop it easily and like attack him. Like Mm. it's, you can very much tell from the posture that this person is aggressive and does not um, have Luke's best intentions in mind. And it's like, it's little, it's those little tiny details that are in this game that you can tell, like everything was meticulously planned out and put into this to to make all the sense once you start to like really look at it, you know, uh, almost like a seeing eye puzzle, you know, like those mystery puzzles, like you stare at it more and you start to see like what's actually there. Um, absolutely well, love that.
2: Do you ever get an answer to it, though? We just get a a, a part where he's calling, what is it, like an agent or a reporter of some sort or something, trying to squeal a little bit more detail on this, this game that could be potentially dangerous or at least have some sort of interesting element to it, and then he gets shot, and then that's that's just it. We don't have anything else, right?
0: It's funny that you mentioned that, Eric. <laughs> uh, we do we we do get answers here. Uh like like I was saying the Carnoful code is kind of one of those answers. Um but you when you interact with the ARG, that's when um more of it is revealed. Uh, of so the kind of first step in this is finding the command line in this game. So on the screen where you can access those videos, there's a way to get to a command line and you can do like DOS kind of programming language stuff in there and kind of call and receive commands from the inscription programming. Um, and like the first thing, at least like so um, everything that I'm getting here about the ARG is from this excellent video from this YouTuber uh, Fleminade. They have like this hour long ARG description video that is, Absolutely excellent. I'm going to put it in the the show notes for this uh, episode because if you have any interest in what this is, you should watch it because it's really fucking cool. But basically you can get to this command line. If you try to delete the old data, it doesn't allow you to. Um, It asks for like a cipher or something like that. Um, So basically you need to break several ciphers, encrypt several things that are hidden throughout the game, different or throughout the game in real life, in different parts of the internet, uh, you need to scour and and pull these clues together to decrypt text that will come through on the command line that sheds more light on what the actual story is Um, to give you guys kind of a really um, a simplistic kind of, the way the rabbit hole goes and some of the, the unique beats that happen on this ARG. Um, if you recall from one of the Luke Carter videos, one of the ones that has like um, a bunch of um, garbly gook on the screen, like it looks like it, it was like, uh, you know, fucked up in some way. It's all just like random colors and pixels and stuff. Um, there's a handful of frames where it's like a napkin just, with codes. on Yes. It. Yes. So that's like the first part of the cipher. Uh, once you start breaking that down, it, it leads you down the pathway to, to figure out all these other things. Let me let me read off some of the, the things that happen within this ARG. Clues that are hidden within the credits of the game, like literally you have to look through the assets of the game because it has all these different like community assets used to make the game. You have to like go to certain links there that will gets you closer to a clue, uh, grabbing a single frame of video from an interaction with the bone Lord, which is something that like, you don't even need to necessarily do in the game or know that it exists, but there's like a single frame after you do very specific things to unlock, um, story elements, uh, like a story event to interact with the bone Lord, to grab a, a code out of there, uh, Changing code within your save file itself—you have to open it up in a commit, like in in a code um, program and, and change uh, variables in there to edit your save data. Uh, playing specific cards in specific orders that um, the names go away and it just says stop on there. Um, there's Morse code that you have to. Um, Uh, decode like I was saying in Act 3 there's that box that's like lighting up in that one corner and you're like what the fuck is that that's Morse code you have to decrypt that Um, you need to drop specific code into another game is actually this happens kind of twice where you have to drop very specific cipher codes into the game files of this other game called Beneath the Surface which is a fishing game and then you need to um, go to a specific depth within that fishing game and then you pull up an inscription disc that has part of uh, the cipher within there. <laughs> what? Um, way. There's an act, <laughs> there, there was an actual floppy disc buried out in the woods of Vancouver uh, that uh, you know savvy uh, um, you know clue finders ARG hunters found, and then they met up with the actor who plays Luke Carter and what? Daniel Mullins. Yep. Uh, on that floppy disc, there was um, code. Or no, it wasn't code. It was the name of a Reddit account that was made years ago. Like, I'm I'm not saying like last year or two years ago, like five years ago that this Reddit account was created, that they only have a certain amount of posts in there. Uh, within those posts, you need to find a fan made smash up deck made by, you know, this Reddit account that has a clue to one of the ciphers. Whoa, um There's clues hidden within a failed Kickstarter game that Daniel Mullins did years and years ago. Um, (laughs) One of the last steps in this whole thing is ordering a floppy disk from a fake company, Kaminsky Data Storage, uh, where three floppy disks were mailed out to three individual people who were able to find this website, like through all these different steps of the ARG. And then they had to communicate with one another to piece together the final piece of the cipher to unlock this YouTube video. Like it gives you basically the end of a URL that you put youtube.com and then you slot this code in that unlocks a privately listed YouTube uh, video that basically shows, you know, at the end of inscription, you were able to stop PO three from uploading the old data to the internet. This video is like it's a it's a uh, zooming in on a computer screen with command line on it, and it says like inscription upload stopped, and then it starts going again. Then <laughs> it unla- so PO three was able to upload inscription to the internet, which is the game that we're playing. <laughs> yeah, and then it en- and then it ends with uh, the stoat uh, winking on the screen. And then nothing. And then it's it. Um, whoa. Isn't that fucking wild? It's so, that's it's a like, lot. It is so cool. It's it is so fucking cool. Like I said, Fleminade made this unbelievable video breaking down all of these steps in this ARG that it, it's it's so fucking cool. And again, shouts out to uh to this guy Flemonade. He uh what a homie for compiling all this stuff together and Hot's player, which
1: Hey, hey, near, a man hey, near, near, near,
0: near <laughs> and dear to our heart, right? There's a cultured uh, man there, exa- exactly. Um, but basically, when you decode all this stuff, uh, you will get text within the command line. Some of it's in English, um, there are big chunks of it that are in Russian that you need to translate back. But basically, the story that reads back to you is about a uh A Cold War era spy named Barry Wilkinson, who snuck into the Soviet Union and seemingly found the Soviets in possession of this Carnoffel code, um, which is like you know a powerful malignant piece of information,
1: (laughs) the Um, Nazi Konami code.
0: Yes, that's yes, that's that's a hundred percent what that is. Uh, Like I said, this was like a specific sequence of these. of these cards uh, from this game, Karnoffel that was discovered on Hitler when he died. Um, And like the, I believe one of the things like how it, how this got to game FUNA in the first place is Barry Wilkinson had a floppy disk with that old data on it and put it into like a box of random floppy disks, um, hoping that nobody would ever discover it. And I think game FUNA ended up with that box of floppy disk Casey found it. And then all this shit popped off. Um, fucking wild. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of steps. It's a lot. It's a lot. And like inscription can mean a lot to a lot of people. And like I said before, you could very easily play through this game, have an excellent time and not even see this, not even uh, need to experience that piece of it. But the fact that it's there, the fact that all these clues are hidden within this game that un- like a game that is already all about um, unveiling or like kind of pulling back the curtain on what is is happening within this game. Like gets built into the mechanics and how the game is played. The fact that there's even more there beneath the surface, it's it's stupendous. You know, it is mm-hmm. it is it's incredible. It's one of a kind, you know. It's, oh, yeah. Um, it's it, well, so good.
2: It, I mean, again, it's just something that was, it was charming just because you kept on peeling layers back and just finding out more and more. But there are certain things that keep you coming back. I am really curious to, to do this Casey's mod. Like, I would like to play that that first part over and over again. It really was uh, a lot of fun. And I would be curious to, even if there was an expansion of that somehow, I would be curious to play that as well, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, so I really like games like this. Like uh, I've talked about this on the show before and and I tell other people about this game all the time. Like I think Frog Fractions is another one of these like really fucking cool games that is more than it seems. And once you start to peel back the layers of what that game is, you start to realize this could be fucking anything. And it's like, it's, it's like an Alice in Wonderland like experience. You know, you just, you keep following the right rabbit down the hole and you see where you go and it's never what you expect. Um, The thing that I think makes inscription the best game of that type is that it's actually really fun to play too. You know, like we, we've we mm-hmm. all talked about how much we want to go back and play more of it. You know, it's it's a really, really fun gameplay loop. And then it has all this fascinating stuff around it that doesn't even need to be there. Right. Like this game would be fun without it, but it makes it so much better because it's there. You know, at yeah. least in my opinion, yeah. It's it's a so super,
3: too. super competent card game that's really better than it has any right to be considering. It's mostly just a way to facilitate this bonkers story. This guy has. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I found the more you play that card game, the more addicting it can get. And it's, it's just incredible. um, How solid this very simple on the, uh, on the face of it, card game can be and how much depth it can have.
0: Yep. It's going to be a
3: hard game to follow up on for this
0: guy. Right. I mean, um, I I totally agree. I, I, I never really like I had heard of his other games before this, like the, the other ones people may have heard of Pony Island and the Hex. Those are kind of the two other big ones that um, Daniel Mullins has done that have ARGs and like mechanics and games within games that are, you know, unveiling over time. This is like the most fun one uh, of it. And it's, I, I, I cannot wait to see what this guy does next. And even if it's not even close to as good as what inscription is like, I am now a fan of this developer and like I will keep my eye on anything this guy does because this th- cuz this thing is such a fucking incredible piece of work. It's just so so cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, So definitely got my attention.
1: Yeah. I'm grateful other people track that ARG stuff cuz no oh, chance yeah. in a million years I'd ever find that out on my own.
0: <laughs> oh, no way. I like I have no interest in doing that kind of stuff, but I love seeing other people do it mm-hmm. you know i i like that it's there you know um i'm glad that um it's been documented so well because like you said jake i ain't never
2: gonna fucking oh, okay. I, I have I, the I, I, interest i don't have the energy
0: <laughs> yeah right yeah it fucking fascinating absolutely fascinating game uh and that's uh unfortunately i'm gonna say it's a hey i don't like that game uh, no, <laughs> just get <kidding. laughs> <laughs> just it <kidding, just> <laughs> <laughs> so with the AR
1: on that on that point th- with the ARG videos there is exactly one too many where like the very last like ARG video you pick it's like the main character the lucky carter like he has the scale set up and he has like fake gold teeth and he's like laughing maniacally to himself <laughs> that that made me laugh. Like I was just like <laughs> one too far, one too far. Y'all like, that's kind of like a funny cosplay setup.
0: I, to me. It's like, um, I don't know what's real, right. I don't know what's real Luke Carter versus like, is that something made by the game itself? Because it's like <laughs> absorbed Luke. Like, it, you know, like it can mean a lot of different things, at least in, in my opinion. It, um, But yeah, that some of those videos are, are, are goofy. There's also, um, there's also a Luke Carter, um, uh, or a lucky Carter, uh, YouTube channel that has content on there. Uh, some of it has to do like specifically with inscription stuff. I, I don't think all of it does though. Um, I also want to say, um, the actor who played Luke Carter was excellent. So good. Like did such a great job of like invoking that vibe of a YouTuber. Um, that does this type of thing. Um, and he also looks like a spitting image of what Jim Carrey looked like when he was much younger, which like, <laughs> is very cool, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this game rules. huh?
3: Pretty Absolutely. cool game. Yeah. Super good.
0: <clears throat> so I, I think that about does it unless does anybody else have anything they want to say before we kind of wrap up here?
3: Everybody should go play. inscription. About, yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. It's it's what I say, twenty bucks? It's twenty bucks or twenty-five bucks. Wait, what is it? Let me see. Yeah, it's twenty bucks. Like, uh, go play that game, please. <laughs> like it's it's profoundly very good. worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It is it's uh it's one of the best games I've ever played. I can firmly say that. It's really fucking cool. Really, really cool. Um
1: you tell people to play it after you've already spoiled it? Still, <laughs> yeah, right. even you if you're listen- like i'm never gonna play this game and listen to the podcast at this point play the game it's good
0: yeah. it's good it's a good card game and like um i know uh, another friend of the show nate uh did not like it and he kind of bounced off it within like the first like 45 minutes to an hour but i think um one of the things that he talked about like that was really frustrating was like that first minor boss and like He's not super into card games, so like it's mm. it's hard for him to 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 get the mechanics down where he can really like start to to make progress. And like I will say that minor that first minor boss can really be frustrating if you don't if you're not getting to not understanding how to beat it. I I feel like that could be um, a downside to it or where people could bounce off. But man, it is it is so worth it. It is yeah. so fucking worth it.
1: Heard it here. No longer friend of the show. Nate. <laughs> <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs>
0: Hilarious. Um Eric, Matt, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Um, you guys got any plugs you want to talk about? Uh
2: absolutely. You can check me out on Movie Guys Podcast, but buddy Jordan would talk about movies. Yeah, it's another Fucking movie podcast, yeah. Why the hell? Yeah, check out ours. Not the other ones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a great show. I've listened to a bunch of the episodes. You guys, uh, I I really like how varied your guys' takes are. Your opinions on movies are very different than where Jordan um, comes from. Uh, you know his opinions on movies, and I, I think that makes for uh, a very interesting dialogue. A lot of times uh so yeah definitely check that out we're gonna change
2: it to the the city mouse and the country mouse watch movies together
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's yeah that's exactly
2: (laughs) that sums that that sums that up right Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. definitely but
2: we also have audio issues so it's perfect beautiful
0: Yeah. yeah yeah um Matt, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. New friend of the show. Don't be a stranger. We need to get you on for uh, another more, uh, you know, less spoilery episode of the show.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Yeah, dude. Um, Jake, where can the uh, the folks at home find us on the internet?
1: Oh man, they can find us all over the place. We're on Twitter at like that game. Facebook is the Hair hey, Like That Game podcast. You can email us comments questions suggestions and otherwise at hey I like that game at gmail.com and we're streaming just streamed our uh pokemon nuzlocke league tournament <sighs> and uh, we're still doing league trolley and try i say we tony tony's doing those he's really the the mastermind behind all that but you can find us there at twitch.tv slash like that game
0: Great, thanks, Jake. Thanks for bringing up uh, um, the Nuzlocke League final. Where I I don't know. I wish
1: I didn't. I'm I'm upset with my performance.
0: I didn't win a single fucking game.
1: Get out of here. Yeah, but you always lose. I I had higher. I had higher (laughs) prospects.
0: (laughs) That is very true. I do (laughs) always lose. I always make really dumb decisions at some point uh, when we play. God, I still think my team is was the best the better team out of everybody's i just misplayed it yours had
1: had a lot of thought put into it i admire your team
0: i tried real hard (laughs) uh and as always live life passionately love each other unconditionally and play video games thanks everybody have a fucking great time (laughs) you up really hard (laughs) Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, If you like the show, please give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. You know, every little bit helps. Hashtag Propagate the Pod.